welcome back to a bonus episode of the In No Hurry podcast. Happy to be back with you guys. For this little extra episode, we are talking with author Jackie Bledsoe. Jackie's book, The Seven Rings of Marriage, was the book of the month for my podcast in February. And he and I connected over Instagram Live last week, but the internet connection did not work out as we had planned. And so we decided we wanted to have a real conversation without any interruptions. And so we got on a Zoom call earlier this week to talk about his book and to finish the conversation that Instagram did not allow us to finish. So I had a great time catching up with Jackie talking about this book and really just going over some of the highlights from the book and the practical steps that we can take to making our marriage even better than it already is. Jackie and his wife, Stefana, live in Indianapolis, Indiana. And as you know, I am a Hoosier born and raised. And so I really enjoy talking to Jackie just about living in Indiana and really about how the NCAA tournament is going to be all in Indiana this year and really just talking about basketball and some fun stuff like that. But most of this conversation obviously centers around his book. And I really, really enjoy this book. Definitely recommend that you check it out. It's called The Seven Rings of Marriage. And I just love how he breaks it down and the practical steps that are in here. So hope you guys enjoy this. Here is my bonus conversation with author Jackie Bledsoe. Well, I'm happy to be back with Jackie Bledsoe. We tried to talk last week on Instagram Live and the internet just did not want to cooperate with us. And so we were determined to finish this conversation. Jackie was featured on my podcast last month as the book of the month. His book, The Seven Rings of Marriage, Your Model for a Lasting and Fulfilling Marriage was the book that I read through during February, You know, obviously focusing on Valentine's Day and talking about marriage all throughout February. His book was a great read to go through during that month. Jackie, happy to be back with you. How you doing, man? Yeah, glad to be back. I'm doing great, Cole. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> yeah, get to get to talk twice. Obviously, the last time was interrupted, but I do appreciate anybody that was joining that conversation on Instagram Live. We did have a good conversation for the little bit that was not interrupted by uh, by the internet issues, but happy to be back and uh, talking about marriage and talking about this book. We are now talking in March, though, and you and I are both from Indiana. And I don't know that this will ever happen again in our lifetime, but Indiana is the host of the entire NCAA tournament this year. And I don't know about you. I'm like really proud of that. That like makes me super happy as a born and raised Hoosier. How pumped are you just to have all this basketball and the basketball world kind of focused on Indiana for a whole month? Oh man, I am super, super excited. I love, you know, the final four comes every few years. So we get a chance to go right. downtown, me and my boys. Sometimes our daughter will go to um, hang out and just enjoy basketball stuff. So now that the, we've got three straight weekends of basketball, it's just crazy. And then high level basketball too. So I'm excited just to see it. There's going to be a super, super buzz in the city and we'll be um, indulging in basketball for the month of March for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of a bummer because I don't think that Indiana is going to make the tournaments the way it looks. So the one year that the entire tournament is held, not only in Indiana, but parts of it at Indiana's arena, and they're probably not going to be in it, which is kind of a bummer. So uh, it's still going to be fun, though. I, it's it's kind of a, a weird, like bittersweet thing because it's awesome that it's all in Indiana, but it's only because of the coronavirus and it's not like the crowds are going to be able to be packed. Honestly, it would be awesome if they tried it one year whenever there was no virus in Indiana, because I bet you it would be just a dope event. Because anytime yeah. that it is in Indiana, the Final Four, that is, it's a it's just an awesome atmosphere. We, we went there, I think it was 2015 when it was there, and uh, just kind of walked around, did all the kind of, you know, like the fan event stuff. 
didn't go to any of the games, but just kind of took in the atmosphere and it was, it was pretty sick. So I, I can only imagine this. I bet you people are going to be out, you know, hope, hopefully they can be out and, and hanging out in, in restaurants and stuff, watching games and that kind of stuff. But it should be a fun, should, should be a fun atmosphere, but yeah. Yeah. And it's getting warm so we can get outside too. So we're looking forward to it for sure. So let's get into this book here. This was, this was such a, a fun book to go through. I, I loved how it's formatted. I, you know, the, the practicality of it, you know, this is, it's a five-year-old book and it's still just as practical, I think, as it was probably whenever you wrote it. And, um, just walk me through the the heart of this book. How did you come up with this idea and and why did you feel like this was a book that you needed to write? Yeah, I, I never set out, you know, everybody asked me, um, did you always want to be an author or did you want to do this? And I was like, no, I really didn't set out to do that at all. I kind of backed into it. Um, but uh, kind of two things came together. One, I started writing several years ago. I think in 2012, I started a blog, just kind of really writing about lessons I learned, personal development blog, really, but the lessons that I learned that I shared the most, that I got the most interaction were with cup or about my interaction with my wife or interaction with me and my kids. And so I noticed that. Um, so I became a, started writing more and more, started writing for other websites other than my own. And I became this uh, kind of like this uh, marriage blogger, the marriage guy, because there weren't a lot of men who yeah. wrote on the topic of marriage. And so that's kind of how I got really into that groove. And then, you know, the, the book came about and years ago, my wife and I would be doing small groups and leading small groups for married couples, but we didn't think of it as like marriage ministry or were these marriage experts. We were just hanging out with friends um, and we wanted everybody, including ourselves, to work on our marriages. So that was kind of the foundation back in the day. But, you know, I was writing um, for a bunch of different sites and I'd have a deadline, multiple deadlines a month and sitting down and I was always coming up with ideas and everything that happened. So like, what is the experience here? What is the lesson learned? And so one night my wife and I were up late, I had to write something. And then I remember the sermon I heard about pastor mentioning four rings of marriage. I always keep a little notebook, Evernote, um, where I could kind of keep ideas. So I kind of fleshed that. I was like, okay, what, what are, what seasons or what things have we gone through in our marriage? And then we just used a plate on words of rings to kind of flesh it out but wrote it, published that on a, on a website. And it just kind of blew up. Couples were like, yes, yes, we can relate. We're wearing this ring right now. And yeah. so we knew there was something that resonated with other couples that was worth continuing. And that's how it kind of started. Yeah. You know, as a writer myself, we would like to think that everything we write is going to resonate with a lot of people. And if we write only stuff that we think is going to resonate with people, then we would kind of be, I think, miserable as writers, but it is validating whenever you do write something and you get that type of a response what was that like to know like, hey, th this idea is, you know, hitting with people and people are striving for this content, especially like you said, I mean, I, you, you're, you said you're, you're a male who wrote about marriage, very uncommon. I kind of, I'm a, I'm a man who writes quite a bit about comparison, which is not something you hear a lot of men writing about. And so I kind of relate to that where it's like, you kind of in this niche, niche, however people pronounce it, niche, niche uh, market there. And it's, it's really cool to write something like that. And people really resonate with it, especially whenever it's kind of a unique voice, like a man in your perspective writing about marriage. So what was that like just knowing that, hey, this is really uh, resonating with people? Yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, the, the first day that that article publishes on um, my friend, a mentor of mine site, and he just he called me and he's like, he never calls me. And he's like, dude, this post is blowing up. And, you know, it, it really blew me away, the numbers. He said, basically within, you know, we posted this around 10 o'clock this morning. This is not even the evening. It's not even dark yet. And he said, you've already got X amount of people viewing this blog post, which was 
twice as many that I would get in an entire month of writing two articles a week on their site. So it was just like crazy. So that was kind of like, wow, you know, a little bit shocking, but I just knew, you know, I, I've been writing for mayors for a while. So I'd seen, you know, different reactions and stuff like that, but it just made sense. You know, just people could relate, people could find themselves in the ring and it, and it made just like the book is we teach, you know, when we started in marriage, we didn't know what to expect. And we get into a season and we think this is our entire marriage. Well, other people are the same way. So now they see, okay, here's what to expect. And if I'm in a bad season, there's something else coming. And how do I continue to grow so I can get to that season or to that next ring? Yeah. So it was exciting to see it, um, you know, validating. Yeah. But more just like, okay, this is something that can really, really help people. Right. And how do we continue to flesh it out? Because when I wrote it, I felt like it wasn't complete, if that makes sense. You know, authors probably, you know, recognize what I'm saying. I just felt like there was more to it. And over the last five years, we've been continuing to flesh it out and make it more applicable to couples lives and how to help them grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that you've done some stuff like last week after we were talking, you got off and you talked to a church group who was going through your Bible study. And I'm sure that there's a lot of churches and small groups that have gone through this. Uh, what are some, some, I don't know, want to say rewarding stories, but just uh, some, some positive affirmation type of stories that you've heard that this has really helped people in small groups. Cause I know marriage, like we're in a small group at our church with young married couples and we're all you know trying to, to keep each other accountable, to uplift each other. And I think married couples are always looking for content. Uh, obviously, you know, we go to the Bible first and that kind of stuff, but we're looking for content books like this that can help us with practical uh, guides to our marriage. And what are, what's some of the feedback you've gotten from small groups that have done this, that, um, you know, maybe I don't want to say it's fixed their marriage, but obviously it's got you hoping that it helps their marriage. Just what's some of the positive feedback you've gotten from those groups? Yeah, one of the biggest things that we we continue to receive is, is just as giving couples hope that may have lost hope. Um, and, you know, without hope, you give up on everything. So you stop trying and all those things. So there have been couples that have just like, I don't know, because they're in a season or they've been in a season for a while. And maybe, you know, one of the rings is the persevering. Maybe they're stuck there for a while and they're like, okay, wow. But what we've done in the book very, very transparently is shared, you know, some our ups and downs, some of them that we are like, wow, I can't believe we shared that, but we did it. And couples seeing us and other couples in their small group or whatever it may be, couples that we've interviewed and shared some of the things that they've said in, in the book as well, now see that, okay, there are others out there that we're not just the only crazy couple that are going through some, some challenges or some issues. And if they got through it, we can. So I think that's one of the biggest feedback, uh, pieces of feedback that we've got that is really exciting because we were at that hopeless point at one point as well yeah. and just continued on, but we needed other couples around us. So I think sharing that story and the different stories in the book, um, I've given a lot of couples hope that may have called it quits a long time ago. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love that. One of the, the things that really, I think stood out to me as I read this, and it, it was a, a pretty big uh, point that you were driving home in this book was, you know, that friendship within a marriage is crucial. And you talk about it in, throughout a number of chapters and a number of different ways. But um, I think it's obviously important that you know, we have friends, like I have a best friend who's a guy that's been my best friend for years. But I think it's also important that we are best friends with our spouse. And you talk about that. And you kind of talk about the difference between, you know, a friend that you, you know, a guy friend that you're that you hang out with versus being best friends with your spouse. Why is that so important that we have that level of friendship with our spouse? 
Yeah, that, that's the closest, most intimate relationship we have or we should have, you know, outside of that with our relationship with God. Um, and so we're sharing everything. Of course, mm -hmm. we're sharing a bed, we're sharing bank accounts, we're sharing our heart, we're, we're being vulnerable. So if we're going to go to that level of depth and intimacy, it's got to be something we enjoy doing it with um, and spending time with. And, you know, I, I don't know if I've shared this in the, in the uh, book or not, but when we were first married, I had we didn't have very many married friends. So I was kind of still kind of living and doing single things, hanging out with the fellas late at night, playing video games and still building that bond, which is crucial. But there's certain things that we have to do only with our wife. So right. after 12 o'clock, that is uh, me and my wife's time. And I was not honoring that. But um, yeah. just ha just having that that relationship that you can depend on, you're going to share or you should want to share everything with your spouse. Um, that's what I'm a firm believer in that. Um, and that is only going to happen when you continue to work on that friendship because you're not going to share deep, yeah. dark secrets or anything that you're going through with someone you don't really like and you don't really want to spend time with. So I encourage couples to find ways to continually get small interactions, shared experiences to build into that friendship because it's yeah. going to bless your marriage and your family um, for years. And I, I don't remember if this was something we talked about last week or if it was in your book, but I, I remember having the idea that it's not that you have to be best friends before you all start dating. Like my wife and I, we met and we started dating and then our friendship grew as we were dating. And so I think that that's, there's something to that where once you start dating, you, you continue to grow, not just the relationship intimacy, but also the friendship part of it. Uh, what, what, what's your perspective on, on that? Because I think when people hear this, they might be thinking, I need to be friends with this person before I date them. Not always the case, because you might meet somebody and start dating them, and then that friendship grows. So what, what are kind of your, your thoughts on that, on that idea? Yeah, I, th I think we did talk about that. And I, I think we mentioned it a little bit in the book as well. Um, our friend, uh, Mark Merrill, says that you can marry your uh, best friend eventually. Meaning, like you said, you're not necessarily best friends when you say I do or before that point, right. but over time you do grow, you get to appreciate. So be patient with that and just know that you, your relationship will grow over time and you can become best friends. Um, so if you're a year in or not married yet and you're like, okay, we're not best friends, we need to hold off on this. No, that doesn't, that's not what we're saying continue to be intentional about growing that friendship um, with the goal of one day we're going to be closer than we've ever been before and closer to any other human being on this earth. Yeah. And one thing that, that kind of goes into this that I think, at least for my wife and I anecdotally has helped not just our friendship, but our intimate bond is praying together. And, and you mentioned that in this book as well, the importance of praying together with your spouse. And I would say even, and you can maybe chime in on this too, but those people that are engaged or they're dating and they, they pretty much know they're going to be married. I think it's important in any Christ centered relationship to be praying together. And this is something that when my wife and I first started dating, I remember we were dating long distance and I, I kind of wish we would still do this, but at night we would get on the phone and we would pray with each other. We'd pray over each other. And it was a very sweet thing that like, over FaceTime, we would pray with and over each other. And I think early on that really, really strengthened our bond, especially because we were long distance and didn't get to live in the same town and be together all the time. But even, I think, especially when you are together, it, it makes it even more important to, to be able to pray together, make that such a central part of your marriage and your relationship. So obviously you believe it's important. It's in the book, but um, people that are listening, what, what kind of advice would you give to them? If, if maybe that's something they don't have as part of their relationship, maybe they don't know how to implement that, or maybe they're struggling to see how important it is. What would be your, uh, your advice to them? 
Yeah, it is. It is, um, you know, one of the biggest things, some of the most important things in our marriage and kind of going back to intimacy when you're praying for and with your spouse, it just brings another level of intimacy. It's it's hard to you know, you can be mad or whatever um, or have ill thoughts, whatever it may be. It's hard to go before God and still carry those things. Uh, also, when you do so and you consistently do it, your spouse is going to reveal things that they're that are deep down inside that you didn't know about. So you're going to see them and appreciate them in a different light. Uh, so I would, you know, do everything you can um, back. Uh, I mentioned Mark Merrill again. It made me think, I think I shared this in the book as well. There was a point in their relationship before they got married that um, his uh, engaged or girlfriend and uh, fiance at the time broke off their relationship because of a lack of prayer. Wow. So she was like, it's so important that if we're not going to have this prayer together, then we're not going to be able to continue on. So I agree with that. It is that important. And if you're uncomfortable with it, don't know how to do it, find creative ways to do it. Um, we have learned so many things over the over the years. We learned this from, from Gary Chapman, where if you're having a hard time verbalizing your prayers when you're praying together, he said, do a silent prayer. Pray quietly to, you know, with each other. And then when you're done with your prayer in your head, just say, amen. You know, and yeah. then that way you're right there with them um, praying. We do sticky note prayers where we'll write it on a sticky note. I'm praying for you or what can I pray for you? And then pray for that. Um, we've done so many different things, but find ways to to come together to make sure you're praying. Make that vital. Make that a, a non-negotiable. And I'll be transparent. We don't consistently do it like we want to. There are times when we're up and down or where we miss, you know, days or even periods, stretches of our relationship. We're in a bad season. We, we just completely missed it. But I guarantee you this, when we're consistently praying, everything doesn't get better. I'm not saying that makes all of our problems go away, but the way we handle them and the way we relate to each other is definitely better. Right. That is a, I think that's a really important uh, piece there. Cause I think some people that might be still kind of in an immature season of spirituality, it's, it's natural to think if I just pray, it's going to get fixed. It's not always the case. And I think what you just said there is right. Like our response to things is better. Not that God's going to fix everything right away just because we're praying, but we are much more in tune with what God's word is and what God's will is for us as a married couple I think, I think we have noticed that as well. I think that's a really, really good point. Yeah. And then I, I loved what you were saying just a minute ago, like, cause I know that I've been guilty of staying up late playing video games with my friends too. And it's like, uh, it, you know, my, and my wife is, doesn't really, it doesn't bother her cause she's fine going to sleep. But I think it does hit on just the idea of like, we do kind of allow ourselves sometimes to get into a slippery slope of saying yes to other things that then negate from saying yes to our wife. And this was one of my favorite parts of your, uh, of your book, because so much of what I write about is being in a hurry, trying to pull back and not be in a hurry. Obviously the name of my podcast is in no hurry. And I, I felt that deeply. I just wrote a newsletter this week about, about the same topic about how my previous teaching job, I was so busy that there was a time when like, I just had a complete breakdown whenever Emily and I were on a date night because I was processing too much, too much was going on. I was just pulled way too thin and I wasn't being able to give my full self to her. And so you said, uh, stop saying yes to everybody else. Uh, say yes to your spouse by saying no to these extra non-essential things. I think that that's vital. And what are, what's been your experience in, in that dichotomy and how have you found ways to say yes to your wife over those other things that you were talking about? Yeah, it takes a continual intentionality and some and many reminders because we've many times myself have drifted back into saying yes to everything. Um, and not, you know, not that these are bad things that we're saying yes to. 
uh, but they're really good things and we're serving people or whatever it may be. But that relationship is, is number one. So we got to find a way to close all the extras out. Um, I'm, I remember there was one season, it was, it was madness. And I think I was coaching. I can't tell you how many different youth sports teams I was coaching. <laughs> um, I think we were doing small groups. There were so many, I can't even tell you. It was literally every night of the week there was yeah. something. Um, and not including work and just life and everything else. And then we got to this and we, we realized that at the end of the season and how much we were not connecting was like, oh, my goodness, like we weren't going to church because I think Sunday baseball games were taking church. And, you know, even our church had an opportunity to go like on Saturday nights. We were just we could have went on, you know, on Saturday nights when we were free, but we didn't. Uh, and eventually I was like, OK, I got to slowly but surely start saying no to these things. Um, and I don't know. You know, I haven't shared this. And I, this definitely was in the book because it happened after the fact. Uh, but sometimes God will, um, when we get into those seasons, he will pull us out of it on a, you know, or make a way where we can't, but, um, I had a, a massive heart attack in 2018 Thanksgiving oh, wow. night. And it was in wow. one of those seasons. And I honestly wanted to say no to many things, but I couldn't find out or get the courage to pull myself out. So I feel like, you know, that was the thing that he allowed to happen. I don't know that he caused it. Um, but it definitely made me look going forward. It's like, okay, I can't take on all those things again. So we have got to one, just be intentional about it, recognize it. Sometimes we are, some people are finding that that is easier to do. And some, sometimes we're running from something in our own marriage. Uh, so be wary of that where you might be like, okay, I'm saying yes to everything. So I don't have to come home and have this conversation or whatever it may be, but you got to force yourself into those conversations and, and say no to things that are not, that are going to get in between you and your marriage. You yeah. can't say, you're not going to say no to everything, um, but take an inventory, do an audit and see, okay, what is really vital? What do I have to do? And what am I just choosing to do versus spending time with my spouse? Yeah. Wow. I, I had no idea that you had a heart attack and I never, I mean, you're, you're like the same size as me. <laughs> you were like five foot seven. You're an athlete and played college basketball. I, I can't, I, I was at like a, I mean, you don't have to divulge more than you want to. I mean, was it a hereditary thing? I know that there was a guy that I worked with that was about my size as well and had uh, the, the widow maker heart attack and he was in shape, never would have thought it just was a hereditary thing. I mean, like, do you, did you find out the cause of it or, or, or was it just like a freak thing? Yeah, no, not really. Um, didn't find out the cause. Though. Um, it was the Widowmaker as well. So, um, you know, completely caught off guard. Uh, wow. The cardiologist, I have a stint in my heart now that uh, operated on me that night, said he um, completely baffled. He told my wife afterwards, like, I don't know what, you know, what happened, how it was. They couldn't, even the test when I got into the ER, they couldn't determine that I was definitively having a heart attack, although I was having a Widowmaker heart attack. Um, my my uh, primary care physician is a friend and member of our church. So he knows me from church and he knows me from my numbers and all that type of as being my doctor. He got the report later from the cardiologist and said he thought it was a typo. It's like, nah, it's not Jackie. So the only thing that it could be uh, would be hereditary. Uh, my mother, nobody's ever had a heart attack, but my mother has had multiple surgeries. Um, but her she had bypass surgery at age 56. And now that I've learned so much about heart, at age 55 or below, if you have a parent or, you know, first relative that has had a heart related issue, then your risk factor is higher. Well, she was at 56. So I don't know if that just made it be like, okay, it's not really that big of a deal, but that's the only thing we can trace it to, but yeah. praise God I'm here. And so many lessons learned from that. The, the teacher that I had that I worked with, he uh, was just feeling pain in his chest and he, like was complaining to his wife about it. And she kept saying, Mike, let me call the ambulance. Let me call the ambulance. He was like, no, they're just going to take me in there. Give me ibuprofen. We're going to pay the ambulance bill. Don't worry about it. All throughout the night, couldn't sleep. And she was like, I I'm calling an ambulance. And so finally it took him into the hospital 
And while he got, when he got to the hospital, they said, you are, you are currently having a heart attack. And wow. so he was like, if I had not listened to my wife, then she'd be picking out my grave. So, you know, and then they were, they went to church with us too, just very similar story. And it's just crazy. And I remember like, I got the text from my coworkers. I went into Emily cause Emily was really close with um, his wife. And I was like, Mike just had a heart attack. And she was just like, what? And it just, it, it th those kind of things are, are so they're, they're devastating in a lot of ways, but especially for a marriage. And this has kind of been on my heart recently because there's been a couple of younger people in my age group who have lost their spouses tragically in the last couple of months. And it has made me start thinking what that would look like if I lost my wife, if that, like, how would I handle that? But even just whether, you know, if, if I lost her or just went through something traumatic like that, that would affect our marriage. I mean, I guess how, how did, how did you and Stefana get through that as a couple? And what was that season like after that? Because I, I would have to imagine that you guys are pretty rocked after that happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it rocked our worlds completely. Um, and if, you know, if she was on here, she'd say she doesn't know that she really has processed it yet. Mm -hmm. um, that it was just such a shock because here we are, you know, all of a sudden, boom, Thanksgiving night, celebrating whatever, having fun. Thing, and then the next, in that night I'm, I'm, having a heart attack and no, not even sure. They didn't even know. She didn't know until after I came through it. But wow. after that, my heart was in such bad condition, had so much damage that we didn't know what life was going to be like after. Um, I don't, you know, if anybody's familiar with heart information, there's an ejection fraction number that is basically what pumps every time your heart pumps, what percentage comes out. You're supposed to be at 55 to 74 normal heart. Mine was like 30 something, 35 or something wow. like that and was told that it may not improve. So literally I couldn't walk from one end of the house to the other without just being like, like I just run a marathon. I'm just gassed. Um, couldn't pick up, you know, at the time I had restrictions where I couldn't lift more than five pounds. And so here I am, you know, physically in shape, kind of doing everything out coaching kids. And I'm, I'm probably coaching three teams at that time. And now all of a sudden, Stefana's like, wow, I might be having to take care of this dude, you know, just going on basic stuff. And I think she kind of just went into, you know, almost kind of like mama bear mode where she just what needed to be done and started doing it. People, families came alongside our church members came alongside small group, but um, you know, it was probably four months maybe where we started this three, three, four months where we started to kind of see, okay, me going back into the direction where I would life would be kind of normal again. Um, that wasn't confirmed until maybe April or May when I saw my cardiologist again, but it impacted everything. Um, so, you know, for me, it kind of gave me that perspective. Like you said, okay, wow, I was almost gone. I almost left my wife and kids here. What would she have done? So I'm constantly thinking, how do I make sure life in case anything ever happens, you never know. Um, life is pre there pre prepared for life without me. You know, how can she live? How can the kids live? What do they need? What do, what do we need to have in place now? So all those things have impacted every aspect of our marriage and our family. And I think that that, that those type of seasons, highlight the importance of praying together because I don't know that we could get through anything like that without praying together. So, I mean, a lot of this is, is cyclical. I mean, a lot of these things we're talking about with marriage, you know, they're, they're applicable to different seasons, whether it's something like that or something much more minor, but it, it all, I mean, it's all important and it's all wrapped together. And so I, that's crazy. I, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Cause it's, I think you said it happened after this book. And so I didn't know that you went through that. So glad that we're here talking to each other. Glad we're, glad we're yeah. still here to be able to talk. So yeah. um, that, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I know that's probably not easy to relive that, that season of life, but um, I'm glad that, you know, it, I guess, do you guys feel like maybe your marriage is stronger because of it? I don't know if it's stronger or, or, or anything or different, but uh, did you feel like 
you know, that's a, that's a pretty tragic thing to go through just yeah. about, you know, and, uh, with the family and kids and everything. I mean, do, do you feel like your marriage looks any different in a better way or is it kind of still the same and just, uh, just grateful for what you have kind of a thing? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely better. I'm definitely grateful for what we have, uh, but just, you know, kind of has us appreciating things more and, minor things that are not major things like they yeah. used to be uh, because, you know, I literally was not almost here and I, I can, you know, I know from her perspective, it was, everything was just a shock and just instant. And she was left to, I feel like she was left to deal with it uh, even though I was still here, but I just wasn't me as normal. Um, so as we look back, I, I think our communication stronger, we're always growing. So I don't think we're where we think we want to be or should be, uh, but we're always going. I know we look at things completely different now. And I, and I think we have slowed down in some areas that was just like overwhelming to us. And then, you know, health wise, and I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a bad, I'm not a bad eater. You know, I don't even drink coffee. Don't even drink soda, even before the heart attack. So it wasn't like I had these bad diet issues or things like that, but we have both been more intentional uh, about our workouts too. So we consistently work out, although we both enjoyed it, we would, we would get inconsistent very often yeah. uh, in this season. So just taking care of ourselves overall is a, is a big thing too, that is impacted or we've been impacted by after that. Wow, that's great. Yeah, we, we try to work out together. We work out once a week and we're supposed to do more here at our house. We just get lazy and get busy. So we need to we need to learn from you guys on how to how to stay active together with our spouse. And I think that is an important thing to do. I mean, whether it's, you know, recreation activity like working out or something else, think finding things that you can enjoy together and, and work out together is obviously a good thing. I've read that. I can't remember which marriage book we read, but it was something about how like things like that, where you're kind of doing like team building type of activities where you're encouraging each other, whether that's like a bike ride, a hike, working out, those are really good things to strengthen a bond between you and your spouse because you're, you're encouraging each other and you're kind of seeing each other at a different state, you know, working out is, I don't want to say it's vulnerable, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of is, at least for me, like, I don't really like working out. So that's good. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have, we should, I created a date night resource. I don't know if this date made it into the book or not, but uh, we, one of the dates was sweated out and basically go work out together, you know, cause you yeah. see yourself, your spouse in a different light, you know, light when they're working out, when they're, when they're, you know, having to press through. Um, and then also when you're there to support them and encourage them, that strengthens your bond as well. So it's revealing, but also encouraging and brings you together. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I noted that my wife and I did a podcast at the very end of the year. Our anniversary is um, two days before Christmas. And so the last couple of years we've done an episode where we've just kind of recapped the last year of our marriage. And that was one thing that I noted about her was, you know, we started working out together and, and we went through a couple of things uh, with our family here that I, I told her, I said, I've realized how strong she was not just emotionally, but also physically. Cause I mean, there are oftentimes whenever she's lifting more weights than me, like, like heavier weights than I am. And I'm just like, I'm not, I, Hey, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Like, she can kill it. Like she's doing great. Like I'm not, sometimes I'll have a little competition where I'm like, okay, I got to do as much as she does. But most of the time she's able to, uh, to live more than I am. She's pretty strong. So more power <laughs> to her. But, uh, one of the things that, that she and I, um, have, have kind of paid attention to, and I think you and I got into this a little bit last week, but I follow this hashtag. It's called beating 50%. And the whole premise of it is, uh, I forget which there was a, a, a couple, a, a kind of an, a Christian influencer couple that kind of started this. I don't remember who it was. It may have been, I don't want to say their names wrong, but I, I can't, I remember it was a Christian influencer couple that started this and I follow, um, you, you may have their book there. Maybe look, I don't know. I, I was looking, I think I do. I think there's a navigators council book that they, um, one of their first books. 
I want to say it's Aaron and Shauna Nyquist, but I, I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong. I don't remember. I, I could look it up, but uh, we, we follow this hashtag beating 50%. The idea is basically that, you know, and you talk about it in your book, about 50% of couples end up in divorce. And um, that, it's an unfortunate number. My wife is a, is a counselor. She deals with some marriages and couples. And obviously this is near and dear to her heart as well. But um, you talk so adamantly about divorce in your book and about how saying no to divorce is, is something that we should embrace. And, and you're very, uh, you're just very adamant about it. Very, you speak very strongly that, that that's your stance on it. And it's almost like you have to speak it into existence to actively fight against divorce. Like you said that you and your wife don't even mention the word. And so I just kind of want to camp out there for a second of just like this, this stat that 50% of couples do end in divorce. What, if anything, can, can we as Christians be preaching to young couples to help curve that number to where it's where it improves it's not 50 percent; it's 40 or 30 or 20 and then why is it so important for us to adamantly speak against uh allowing divorce to be something that we uh allow into our conversations yeah we we were um counseled by one one of our marriage um mentors like one first couple of years in marriage probably within our first year that you know marriage is not an option um and they were that's what we embrace what they taught us is not to be talked about it's not to be joked with you know some people in in mayors like oh i'm going to leave you for such and such or i'm going to do you know jokes and it's like no that is not at all acceptable uh, and we were homeschooling at the time and we teach our kids banned words words they use frequently like you're not allowed to use that word in our house so divorce became a banned word in our house because we're just not going to use that word but it's kind of the thing where you don't have any other options uh, when you when you take that stance just like you know i heard step in and tell our kids that if you say you can, you can, if you say you can't, you can't. So if you say the divorce is not an option, then it's not an option. You will never look at that. You will never entertain that. You will do everything you possibly can to fight, to stay together in your marriage for your spouse and to make sure you guys have the best marriage ever. So it's kind of that, you know, burn all bridges, throw all, you know, throw all the oars overboard, whatever it is. So I think from that perspective, that's what it does. And then over time, it's just not something you come up with. You know, we would be hurt and surprised when we found out that friends of ours or Christian, even Christian couples, pastors, whatever, maybe you got divorced, it was like, man, because in our mind, that was just not feasible. That was just not an option. And we have been through some really tough times, but we just would not entertain it. So I think that is something that will help to curb those numbers. Uh, but also, you know, the seven rings of marriage and other books like it are the things we have to get the information. We have to get the, the knowledge. We have to learn what other couples God has used to share about marriage and follow that. We have to be very, very intentional. This is, you know, on the, I think I've got this quote from Gary Chapman on the book, marriages either grow or they regress. They never stand still. Mm -hmm. So you're either growing or you're regressing. Uh, if you're thinking you're not and you're cool and everything's all right, we don't have the major problems and you're probably going in that wrong direction. Um, but it just takes intentionality to do that. And that's what we've done over the years. We've you know, we attend marriage retreats, um, even before we were speaking at, um, you know, we're reading books, we're taking courses, we're taking classes at, at church, we're meeting with other couples. This is the most important relationship in your life. You got to take very, take it very, very seriously and do everything you can to keep it together and not just keep it together, but keep it flourishing and growing and thriving. Yeah. And speaking as a young couple, and, and this is something I kind of want to get your opinion on. So our pastor, who married us was, our, you know, he's a pastor at our church. He's the one that did our premarital counseling. And one thing that he has always been adamant, adamantly saying, and I've kind of come to adopt this is that 
he always would say marriage is not hard. Life is hard. And he would, cause it's, and it's basically, and I, and I'm very, like very adamant against this because I, I hear so many young couples get told very early on in their marriage or at their wedding about how like, Oh, this, you know, this is going to be the hardest thing you ever do. This is going to be so hard. All of these negative things that I'm like, that might be true for you, but why are we clouding the experience and the entry into this new phase of life with all of these negative ideas? And I just feel like so many people, like young people go into marriage scared because they're told so many bad things. Like marriage, it, there are times whenever life, it's going to be hard. Life is going to be hard. Like you're, you're, you're accepting somebody else's life into yours. You're bearing their burdens, but now you have somebody else to bear your burdens that makes it a lot easier for me. And also there's so much beauty about marriage. And I just would much rather us focus on that and tell the young kids who are getting married, young kids, that's the young, young adults who are getting married. Anybody who's getting married for the first time, really like this is not going to be the end of your life. It's not going to be the end of your world. It's not going to be the hardest thing you ever do. It's going to be probably the most beautiful thing you ever do. And so I, I think, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, but just Shifting the narrative about marriage, especially for young couples, I think would go a long way. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it, but like I think that that's part of it is that we, we go into it with these expectations and we're already expecting things to be hard or be bad or like our life is going to be so different. Like our life is never going to be as much fun now that we're married, all that kind of stuff. Like I loved hanging out with my wife. I love doing stuff with her. I get really like, I, I don't like whenever she's gone and I'm home alone. So I don't know. That's just kind of my thought on that. What's just in terms of shifting the narrative of of marriage and that sort of stuff, especially for young couples. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. But I'll be honest and say I've been guilty of it, you know, saying marriage is hard work. Um, Probably said it in the book or something that we've taught before. But I think uh, what happens with marriage is the perspective is on both ends of the spectrum um, as far as what is talked about. Either marriage is the worst thing and okay, you got to give up this, the ball and chain and all that. Or it's this movie fake picture of what marriage should be like. But there's a middle that is the realistic thing of what marriage is. And I think that's what that that's the realness that we have to train. that we have to share with other couples who don't know or, or have yet to experience that. But you're right. Uh, marriage isn't necessarily hard. Life is hard. Uh, I remember it was like first few years of uh, marriage and we were going to our pastor to get some counseling and we were like struggling. At least we thought we were. Uh, we were sharing everything and pouring our hearts and like, man, this is going on and that's going on. I'm sure we were pointing fingers at each other. And he just sat back and looked at us and smiled and is like, you guys are good. Uh, life is just hard right now. Yeah. And we were like, first we were, I'll be honest. I was a little upset. I was like, did you hear what we just said? That's what I'm thinking. It's like, <laughs> no, we're not good. Did you hear this? Did you hear what she said about me and what I said? Nah, nah. But you know, now in hindsight, and after I left that meeting, it's like, okay, he's right. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our life that are hard and that is impacting our marriage. So that doesn't mean marriage is hard or bad or our marriage is not worth salvaging and can't be great. Uh, it just means that we have to figure out how to better handle uh, and get help with handling all the different things that are going on around us. So I love that what your pastor said about changing that, you know, what you're doing is changing that narrative. We, there's a bad perspective, a perception of marriage, I think. And we got to be, it's, you know, couples like us, you uh, as well, have to be the couples that help to change that narrative so that the new couples, the younger adults or whatever, come and see this in a different light. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote something on our first anniversary on my website and it just says marriage is not hard. And it's just kind of, 
adamantly taking a stance about against that. And I've kind of republished it every year on our anniversary, because it's something that I want my friends who are younger that are getting married to hear, because it was just something that I kept being told and hearing. And it was like, I I don't view it that way. And I don't view it as this hard thing that I'm going to be scared of. I'm actually really excited to be married. I don't expect my life to be significantly different. I don't think it, I don't expect it to change my life and like fix all of my problems, but I'm definitely excited about it. And I just think like, and, and I think on top of that, my generation and especially the younger generations, I think are at a point now where it's become so easy to just silently exit things that we're not comfortable with or not interested in. And I think I've seen that just as a teacher, I've seen that with how kids view their relationships at school. And I granted, I understand it's just a high school relationship, but if people grow into that, I don't want to see these couples that are going to be married in 10 years, take that into their marriage where, well, I, I don't feel happy. So I'm just going to get divorced. Like that's not okay. And I think that's ultimately what you're, what you're speaking about is like, divorce is not just the same as breaking up in sixth grade with a girlfriend. It's very serious. It affects a lot of people, especially if you have kids. And so, I I mean, I like what you're saying about like, you need to adamantly speak against that because once you say I do, I mean, you're committing to being with that person for the rest of your life. Yeah. 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 Um, I've heard this story about um, divorce. Imagine, I forgot what commercial was. I think it's like a a denture commercial or something but it's two mugs coming together or something like that uh with the denture cream or glue in the middle you pull them together you pull them apart um they'll break apart and a piece may come off and so you're not you know when you go through divorce it's that serious there are pieces of you that are pulled off or that are still connected yeah. and vice versa so I'm not saying you can't be whole and go and you know for people that have already been through a divorce uh we're not condemning you there's right. god still has something for you if that's in his will to be married and you can still have a great relationship but there's still connected pieces so it's not just like you said breaking up with your high school girlfriend or boyfriend there's some really serious connections and consequences uh when you do go through that so um it just makes things uh, harder than I think when you don't have to go through that for sure. Yeah. yeah. My parents were divorced whenever I was in fourth grade and, you know, and we had, we talked to my parents and Emily and my wife, we actually talked to her aunt and, and her husband and, and they both were remarried after being divorced. And we talked about kind of the beauty that they found in a blended family. So yeah, definitely like there's beauty out of divorce. God can make beauty out of anything. And it's just one of those things where like, that's something that we want to fight against at you know if at all possible but it's gonna have it does happen and there's still beauty that comes from it and so that's you know like i think one thing i mentioned last week on my episode was like you know marriage is not a one-size-fits-all thing it doesn't look the same for everybody there's very different marriages that all have different stories and so uh, i think what you're saying there is beautiful the the last kind of aspect of marriage that i do want to touch on here is I think we kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning here, but just the importance of finances. Um, I think our pastors told us that um, having a budget is is almost like having a constitution for your marriage that that's going to help you really so much as a couple gauge, you know, how, you know, how you prioritize what you're doing, what you, obviously what you spend your money on. But I think I don't, maybe you've read the stat or, or know more specifically the stat, but you know, I know that a bunch of marriages, a good portion of marriages, the majority of their problems center around money and budgeting and finances. So I think being on the same page with how you're going to spend, how you're going to budget is vitally important. Um, but I think you wrote about this in your book. So what is, you know, for, for younger couples who are getting married or even married couples who are listening to this, that maybe they haven't yet made a budget with their spouse. They're not quite on the same page. What is your 
advice and how important is that to be on the same page? Yeah, it's another thing that's vital. Um, as you are, you know, finances, uh, finances, communication, and sex are three major issues that break up marriages, uh, that cause issues within marriages. So that is a big key. And so many things are impacted by our, the money in our marriage. So we've got to come together on that. And the budget, uh, you know, I think you said the constitution. I love that analogy. It's the thing that guides you, you know, that you can come back to when, okay, what are we spending? Where did we go wrong? What do we need to change? Whatever it may be. Plus you've got that agreement. It's like, okay, here's where we are. We've been inconsistent, I would say over the years. And there've been times we've been really together on our finances and budgeting and times we've been completely far apart, um, especially in our the beginning of our marriage where we were having a hard time even coming together with shared bank accounts. Yeah. So if Stephanna, I'm not saying anything that she would say, if she were on here, she would say it was me. <laughs> She's like, I was the one that didn't want to do it. Uh, I was the now, one that didn't want to do it. My wife wanted to, we, we finally just did in December after three years of marriage. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So it took us a while too, but it was, it was through counsel and, and study and coaching from other couples who were experts in finances and had their finances together. And we're teaching that. And we learned, it's like, okay, this is important, but you need that, you know, and, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. And, you know, he's like the number one thing that brings success financially to our, to their students is a budget. Those that don't have a bu budget don't succeed like those that do it, if they even succeed at all. So if that, knowing that piece of knowledge right there itself, and then in marriage, you're one. So you're not going to have two separate budgets. Or you're not going to have a budget and one person knowing the other person doesn't. You've got to come together. Mm -hmm. uh, if that is a, the key to success financially for an individual or a couple, then you got to do it. You want it. You should want to do it. Yeah, we, we started the Dave Ramsey stuff earlier this year and uh, getting better at it as each month goes. My wife, the last few years, has done this thing at the beginning of the year. It's called the Contentment Challenge, and it's basically like a three-month challenge where they don't, where she doesn't spend money on things that she doesn't necessarily need. And so that's a lot of, uh, like for her, it's shopping like clothes and that kind of stuff. And so it's helped her kind of, it's always a good thing for her to do kind of around Lent and, um, you know, really, I wish that I had the, the, the self-control to do it. Um, it's funny cause the book that I'm doing for the book of the month in March is on self-control. And so it's very, very fitting. So, but she does that every year basically where, you know, she's trying not to spend money on things she doesn't need. And obviously it's, it's kind of another adamant, like, I'm not going to spend money on clothes. I'm going to spend it on the things that we actually need and food and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think for any couples that are listening, definitely take the time, sit down with your spouse. Even if you're before you're getting married, if you're listening to this, if you're engaged, start doing that now, because it's only going to make it easier once you do get married to start budgeting. So yeah. the, the final question that I always love to ask my guests, the name of my show is in no hurry. And so I always uh, love to ask people whenever life does get really busy for you, uh, it's crazy. You're super busy. What do you do to slow down and just sort of rest a little bit? Yeah, that that really is is my morning time. Um, when I, I get really focused and dedicated on my time in the morning, which I have a little routine, um, I call it prepare and it's an acronym and I just kind of slow that helps me settle me. Um, but like today was one of those days where everything was rushed. And so I had to stop myself. And it's like, okay, I, I found myself everything. Someone asked me a question. I was like, give them an answer quick, you know, just to go into the next thing. I was, I was eating so breakfast so fast this morning that I almost choked. Literally, it was like, <laughs> so my son, Josh was like, dad, you okay? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I need to slow down. But settling myself with that morning routine, which includes prayer, which includes reading my Bible, uh, saying some affirmations, uh, writing three things that I'm grateful for. So I, I do those things and that kind of settles me down. Um, and now I've got a new thing uh, on my 
on my phone. It's called the Think Up app. And it's just got some some just different affirmations and reminders that will pop up throughout the day. So that helps me midday as well. But, you know, something to just slow your mind down. And and I would say, I'm adding extra, get turn the screens off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Turn the screens off. When I put my phone in docket, it forces me to slow down. Yeah. Uh, so that's a very practical thing that everybody can do. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Jackie, this is great. I'm so glad the internet cooperated with us this time. We were able to have the conversation without any interruptions. So right. uh, love it. Where can people connect with you and where can they get this book if they're interested in reading the seven rings of marriage? Yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, for those of you who are looking to grow better marriages, just find us at happily married Um, you'll find all of our, you know, find links to the book and everything there and some additional resources. Uh, if you just want to correct, connect with me personally, Jackie Bledsoe.com. All right. Well, thanks so much, man. This is great. And, uh, I love, I love the Cardinals hat. I'm ready for baseball season to start and uh obviously ready for march madness to, to take over indiana so i'm sure we'll, we'll catch up again soon and uh hope you have a great march enjoy march madness in indiana and uh, we'll talk soon yeah thanks cole thanks well thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode of the in no hurry podcast really enjoyed that conversation with jackie bledsoe author of the seven rings of marriage that was our february book of the month. So hopefully if you have not checked that book out already, you will go ahead and grab that wherever you can find books. Obviously he gave you the link to his website, check out his work, check out his book and check out him and his wife's podcast as well. If you need to get in touch with me at all, you can find me at Cole Claiborne on Instagram and Twitter and Cole Douglas Claiborne on Facebook. I would love to connect with you there. You also can find me at my website, coleclaiborne.com. And while you're there, go ahead and sign up for my weekly newsletter. I would love for you to be a part of that. Just click on the newsletter tab at the top and hit sign up. The March book of the month is Your Future Self Will Thank You by author Drew Dick. And I'm excited to go through this book and to talk to him later in the month. So if you want to join us as we read along and be prepared to chime in with some questions for him whenever we talk to him later this month, Go ahead and grab that book also wherever you can get your books. It's called Your Future Self Will Thank You. I think it's a great book during Lent season. It's all about self-control. I think it's a very, very practical book that I think it's timeless, but it's especially relevant right now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And We'll see you next time.